Hi guys! Uh, welcome back to another episode of Movies with Heart. My name is Kiri, I'm your host. Brett's here with us as well. Hello! I wasn't sure <laughs> if I was supposed to say hello or not. I'm sure, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All good. Um, so this week we did a lovely film called Howl's Moving Castle. I have seen it before. I quite like it. Brett, you had not seen it before, right? No. This was the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever I recommend movies like this, I'm always like, I wonder what Brett thinks of this. I pretty much got the impression watching this film that this is some sort of childhood nostalgia film for you. I, I would disagree. The first time I saw it was four years ago. Okay. I'm This is not a childhood film of mine. I I I mean to be completely honest, I struggle with anime and stuff like oh, this. Oh, really? Like bad. Like I cannot it's very hard for me to get into films like this and anime and all that stuff. People recommend like I have a bunch of friends that are in anime and they all are always recommending stuff to me and I'm just like is it like the story style or the animation style or what is it that you have a hard time with? I think it's more of the story style of mm. a lot of just the animation or anime, like Japanese anime and stuff like that, that they take. They're just how a lot of things can get so exaggerated. Mm. How like the, a lot of the emotions and a lot of the stuff gets so exaggerated so quickly. It just kind of, I find it annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just not my it's not my niche, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's all like when I recommended Coraline and then everything everywhere all at once and then this one, I was just like every single time I'm like I don't know how Brett's going to take this. <laughs> I mean, Coraline was pretty good and everywhere uh, all at once was pretty good. Um, this one I sh- I struggled through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad film. I just think it's not m- my style, and it was just okay. hard to really watch and absorb and stuff like that. I think maybe you have to be in like a certain mood to watch it. Maybe possibly. That's fair. Studio Ghibli films are really interesting because. I, I know people who are kind of in your boat. Like I mentioned to my family, I was like, how's Moving Castle is the movie tonight? And my dad pretty much said the same thing you did. He was like, I struggled with that one. And I kind of asked him why. And he was like, I don't know. The, he goes, the story held, but I, this ending wasn't as satisfying as I wanted. And so, yeah, I, like I know a handful of people who are just like, movies are weird. And they definitely have, I don't know, they definitely are a very specific type of film. I, um, the first studio Ghibli film I saw was actually spirited away. Okay. And spirited away is like how's moving castle. I feel like does have a fairly cohesive storyline that you can follow spirited away. I remember I was watching it with my brother. We'd never been exposed to a studio Ghibli film before. And halfway through, I was like, I like it, but I have no idea what's going on. Okay. And my brother said the same thing. He was like, yeah, I feel like I like it, but I'm with you. I have no idea, like, 
what's happening, where this is going, what's coming next. Like, it just was very confusing. And Howl's Moving Castle makes more sense, but it does have a lot of elements of that where it's a little... It's a little much for someone who doesn't normally watch anime. Yeah, well, and especially just these types of these types of films. Like, I think Howl's Moving Castle is a good introduction into this studio, but there is a lot um, about Studio Ghibli films that not not everyone makes. It's not a terribly linear narrative most of the time. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I love it. <laughs> I really, really love this film. I liked it a lot the first time I watched it, and then I really liked revisiting it. Um, and I'll kind of go a little bit more into exactly why. But I also give a little leeway where I'm like, yeah, it, it, if you don't really know what you're signing up for, slash if you've never been exposed to the studio's films before, I can see how it would be a little bit... I'm trying to think of the right word. Not really off-putting or jarring, but I can see how it would be a little... Uh, I, I can see how you'd struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it just comes across as bizarre. It's probably yeah. the best way to put it. And I think, like, I've looked a lot into things like this, and I've looked at a lot of Miyazaki's films, a lot of the Studio Ghibli films, and I think a lot of what... And I think... Because a lot of people have really fond childhood memories of a lot of his films. Okay. I didn't watch them growing up. So I'm just now starting to kind of explore them. But a lot of people um, really love, like, My Neighbor Totoro, Ponyo, um, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle. There's a lot of childlike love for it. And I think that's because the director, Hayao Miyazaki, is very childlike in the way he presents his story. And what I mean is, like, like, you can have a kid come up to you with a pen, and they hold it, and they're like, this is my lightsaber now. And you're like, well, no, it's not. It's a pen. They're like, no, it's a lightsaber just because I said it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how a lot of Miyazaki's films are. It's, it's just like he doesn't necessarily feel the need to explain a lot of why things are the way they are. Right. So it'll be like, well, this happened. It's like, well, why? How? And he's like, it, it just did. It, it Move very on. much had like a Saturday morning cartoon feel to it. It really did. Really? To me, it did. Just a lot of, yeah, just what a lot of stuff. That? Um, it just seemed like it was just a lot of really bizarre stuff that was going on. A lot of stuff that didn't really make sense. And you just kind of had to just kind of go with it. You're just like, okay, that's a thing now. And we're just kind of going with it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It seemed like a, a children's a with a, a children's, head who is now helping us. Okay. Yeah, it just seemed like like a child's cartoon, and it was just difficult for me to get into to try and absorb it for something like artistic or anything like that. I I found it very mm. difficult. Interesting. I I just we'll get into it a little bit, but um, I'll kind of analyze a little bit a lot like some of the artistic stuff i really found in it okay we'll have to talk about some things um before we get into that though i am going to give a brief synopsis okay 
Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, the story kind of centers around a woman, young girl, young, uh, young adult female named Sophie, who kind of gets caught up in this whole magic thing. She runs into this wizard named Howl and gets kind of caught up in his story. There's a war going on. Um, she, in brushing shoulders with Howl, she becomes kind of the target for a witch named the Witch of the Wastes. The Witch of the Waste casts a spell on her that makes her look and feel very old. So it kind of turns her into an old lady. So now that she's an old lady, she's like, well, I gotta go find Hal and figure out if he can fix this. <laughs> so she goes, she ends up finding Hal, she found, finds his moving castle, um, kind of meets the... There's a couple other people there. There's the fire named Calcifer, and there's a kid named Markle. Um... She kind of befriends them and, and starts kind of falling for Howl. And Howl keeps kind of, you know, disappearing and coming back. He's trying to, it sounds like he's trying to stop this war that's going on. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he's summoned to the king. And there's a horrible, you know, horrible, there's a, there's a lady there who Howl is basically like, look, I don't, I don't really want to go talk to the king and, the woman there so why why don't you just go sophie <laughs> so sophie goes she sees the witch of the waste there again um the you end up finding out that i'm trying to find sariman yeah the madam Solomon. Solomon. um madam Solomon is kind of she's i guess this witch who kind of runs the place the king is kind of a buffoon um and she apparently she's kind of obsessed with howls she thinks that a lot of the witches and wizards are just like abusing their power so she ends up like turning the witch of the waste into how old she actually is so she's basically a senile old lady um yeah so How's continuing to try to end the war. You find out that this woman is trying to basically undo Howl and and the Witch of the Waste, all witches and wizards that are kind of defying her. She sees them as, as spoiled and manipulative. Um, there ends up being like a little arc where Howl has spent a lot of his magic and he's like not doing well. And Calcifer is very connected to Howl, the fire, and he kind of runs the castle. Um, so the they're not do both of them are not doing well. The castle starts to fall apart. There is a little moment where Sophie, through entering this portal, kind of goes back in time and she sees basically that there's a whole mythology about how Hal is looking, is like eating other people's hearts or looking for his heart. So she kind of sees that moment where he, you know, kind of gives up his heart. And she tells him in that moment, like, hey, wait for me in the future. And so that's what she does. And she kind of reconciles Calcifer. She is able to release Calcifer. And in doing so, she is able to give Hal back his heart. Um, this scarecrow with a turnip for a head has been, like, in and out of the picture. You end up finding out that he's the missing prince that started this war. So he's going he's gonna to go back and try to end the war. Sophie and Howell are together and appear to be in love. And that's pretty much the story. 
it's one that you kind of have to watch because I don't know, it does jump around quite a bit. And like Brett said, there are definitely parts where it's just kind of like, okay, we're doing this now. Yep. All right. Yep. Um, like I said, I, I really like it. I think there's a lot of depth to the Studio Ghibli films. Um, and I think part of it is like I've said before, I don't have to have all the answers for things. I feel like with some movies I do, like there are some sci-fi films that I feel like leave things completely open-ended and I'm like, well, it's useless. But I don't have to know everything from a film. Like I don't have to know exactly why things exist or why this is panning out the way it is. Like I just, I don't need to know all of that. And so it was really refreshing watching this like the second time through because I knew that there were going to be things unexplained. And so I just kind of went with it. And I think that's just kind of a way you have to kind of watch this film is like, just sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cause I mean, I think you're right though. Like if, if you're trying to look for you know under understand everything that's happening and understand why everything's happening the way it is and kind of the background for things like you're not gonna get it like i said the, like well because the first time i watched it i remember when the scarecrow turnip head ends up turning into a prince i was like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah where did this come from <laughs> why is this happening so there's definitely things that I will say, like, as an adult watching this for the first time, there are definitely, watching Studio Ghibli films, you just have to kind of be like, I don't know, like I said, just sit, sit back and enjoy the ride and, like, realize that not everything is going to have a long, drawn-out explanation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very much, uh, and I could be totally wrong with this, but it's very much kind of like one of those popcorn films you like gather your older kids around the tv and you just oh. kind of have a night of just watching a saturday night of just watching a movie it's kind of what it felt like to me kind of movie Interesting. i don't view it as a popcorn film because i think it's got a lot of depth i see and that and that's the, that's the problem that i have with a, with a lot of anime type stuff is I know a lot of them could have and probably do have a lot of depth to them, but with a lot of the nonsense that happens, in my opinion, a lot of the nonsense that happens in anime-type movies and films and shows and stuff like that are distracting to me of hmm. what the actual depth is. And so I'm just like, I don't know what's going on, you know, sort of attitude yeah. or mentality. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can... I mean, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I think, so I, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to launch right in. I'm going to talk about a few things and I'll just, if you have input on what I say, I'll, I'll let you go. But I do want to mention, first of all, a lot of films, including this one, do have a way of making it feel very immersive. And I think that's why some people struggle with the story is because it, it makes you feel like you're there and so you're kind of in the same place as Sophie for a lot of the movie where you're just like, what in the world is going on? Okay. Because she starts off and she's just like... She's a hat maker. and Yeah, she's a mm -hmm. hat maker. She lives a pretty humdrum life. Mm -hmm. 
And then all of a sudden, there's a wizard who comes along, and she has this crazy experience with him, and then this witch shows up and turns her into an old lady, and now she's like, my whole life has been turned upside down. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting about it, though, is that even though at the beginning, it's like, okay, I don't I have no idea what's going on, everything's crazy, there's a way of making it feel very, like, comforting, I guess. And I'm talking mostly about the part where she starts to kind of turn the castle into into a home because she gets there and, you know, it's a disaster. Right. And then she, like, cleans it all up. And there's something very satisfying about, like, seeing her clean it up. And all of a sudden now it's it's cozy and it's comforting. And there's something, you know, there's something comforting about, like, a little kind of you know, inside almost looks a little bit like a cabin and there's a fire in the hearth. And I think there's something like oddly, yeah, I don't know, just like really comforting about that. And I think that kind of, again, leads the viewer on this journey of like, okay, life's been turned upside down. Don't know what's going on. I'm doing the best with this situation and turning this weird experience into something that I'm kind of okay with like what really surprised me this time watching was like Sophie is almost more comfortable in her old lady skin than in her young adult one. Yeah. Like the way she goes about like cleaning the house and doing the laundry. Well, and when she sits there and watches the view and she kind of tells Markle, she's like, you realize when you're older, like you just kind of want to just sit and enjoy the view. And I'm like, but Sophie, you're not older. Your body is. Right. But, like, your head is still a 20-something-year-old. Um, so I don't know. You, you kind of, so that's what I mean, is, like, you, there was still something oddly comforting about the film for me. Um, and that kind of got the, at that point when she started kind of, kind of cleaning up. Um, but, yeah, just in general, I think, I think the Studio Ghibli films are meant to be very, yeah, very immersive. And it's meant to make you feel a level of, like, contentedness and comfort, even though you have no idea what's going on. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, just, I just struggled with this film. And like, I understand what you're saying and all that stuff, but I, I, for one, I just struggled with it. Like, like I said, okay. I'm not, I'm not a huge anime kind of person. This had very heavy anime feel to it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and there are part, uh, yeah, I, I, I just struggled to get into the movie. I really did. Okay. I think this is just one of those where, like, we haven't had a film that we disagree on in a while. Yep. So we're usually either, like, hating it together or loving it together. And this one's a little un uncharted territory for us. Um, I didn't hate it. I just right. don't like the style of filmmaking. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I mean... I, like, I don't have anything to respond to that, so I'm just kind of like, well, I guess I'll just keep going then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, keep keep going. I mean, obviously, you may, you probably have, like, a lot of valid points and stuff like that. It's just, I just, for one, just struggle with this type of art form. And mm -hmm. even though it's, 
kind of interesting and odd because I was going through the cast members and it's odd that they have the mixture of cast they do for this film, you know? What do you mean? Like they have like an interesting splash of both Japanese and well-known American actors kind of splashed together for this film. So with this, there's actually two casts. There's the cast that is Japanese that did the version with subtitles. And then there is a version that's dubbed that has American actors. Okay. So I, I assume I'm looking at the dubbed one because Christian Bale and Billy Crystal mm -hmm. and yeah. Josh Hutcherson and like yeah. all these really well-known actors. I'm like, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are, that's something that I think is interesting. So I remember in a film class um, one time, the teacher was like, and I don't know that this is necessarily always 100% true, and I'll talk about why, but he basically said, any foreign language film, you should always watch with subtitles because you want to watch it the way the director intended it to be seen. I would agree. All the foreign films that I watch that like are in French or in another language, I always watch them in their original language with the English subtitles. Right. Um, I have I have had quite a bit of exposure to anime, both anime films and a couple shows, and I have seen most of them in both. Okay. I think there is a lot of merit to seeing it the way it was intended to be seen. And that's the first time I watched Howl's Moving Castle. I watched it with subtitles. Um, this most recent time I watched it with the English dubbed. Um, I think there's value to both. I do think that there is a lot of merit to watching it the way the director originally intended it. However, I do know that with Studio Ghibli films in particular, there's a pretty scrupulous, I mean, there's a pretty intense, um, I don't know, audition process, I guess, where there, there's a lot of filtering that goes through to make sure that the casting is right and to make sure that they're doing the lines correctly. So there is something to that. Um, but I do, I do know that there, yeah, I would say there is a lot of merit to watching these films um, with subtitles. And I, I would say to the viewers, don't immediately go to the dubbed just because you're scared of subtitles. I think that watching films with subtitles um, can offer quite a bit. Yeah, I've watched a lot of foreign films, and so I'm used to watching with subtitles mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So that doesn't really bother, yeah, me, too. bother me. Yeah, um, this is also based on a book, and I haven't actually read the book. Have you? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I haven't either. I've, I've heard some people say, I've heard a lot of people who really, really like it. They have said there are quite some, some differences, so I'd be interested to do a little bit of research on that i do know like in the in the book sophie has two sisters not just one 
that's a minor detail, but I, I've heard that basically the, the book is good, but it's, it's, there's definitely some differences. But I'd be, I don't know, I guess I was curious to wonder if the, the book made any more sense to you. No, and I guess I'm just not very cultured as far as, as Japanese film making and writing goes. I mean, the anime is just one art style. There's lots of different stories, but this particular studio is kind of known for having some stories that are kind of off the wall. Um, like I said, I really like it because I, I do tend to be a very childlike person. So I think for me, I'm just like, <laughs> Brett's nodding for those of you who can't see. <laughs> he's seen me in like D&D games and stuff and he's seen, yeah, we're good friends. He knows. So I think that's part of it too, is like, I tend to have a pretty child and I, I want to make the difference between childish and childlike. There's definitely moments where I can, you know, I, I, I can be an adult, but there are, so I wouldn't say I'm very childish, but I am very childlike. There are a lot of childlike aspects about me and a lot of childlike things that I really enjoy. So for me, I don't know, it's not, it's not hard for me to just kind of sit back and, and enjoy the ride on things like this. Um, and like I said, I, I do think there is some depth. I think there's a lot of symbolism in Sophie's changing form. She goes, through, you know, she's young at the very beginning and then becomes this old lady, but you can kind of see she fluctuates between being young and being old through the whole film. Um, and I think there's a lot of symbolism behind that. I think that has a lot to do with how confident she is in a moment. Um, or how emotional she is. I just think there's lots of ways you could interpret that, and I think that's really cool. One of my favorite aspects about the film is that even... So at the end, she kind of comes full circle, and she's young again, but she keeps her gray hair. And the first time I watched that, I really enjoyed that thing specifically, and I spent some time thinking about it. Because I, I don't know why that stuck with me, but I was just... I was like, that's interesting... Full circle, she came back to being young, she went on this journey, she's, she's back to normal, but she has the gray hair still. I spent some t a lot of time thinking about it. And for me, I think, that, again, I think there's layers to the film, so I think the symbolism can be interpreted in a lot of ways, but for me, that said that anytime we, we go on some kind of personal journey or adventure or anything like that, we come back and we are a little bit changed. We're not the same person we were before the journey. We're not the same person we were on the journey. I mean, that's kind of what the hero's journey teaches is that you come back and you're a different person. Um, and I think that's kind of what it shows is even though she, she kind of overcame the curse, the gray hair stuck with her because there was a part of her that was now fundamentally changed. Like the journey actually caused a fundamental shift in who she was and how she appeared. Um, and I don't know, that, that's, I guess, one of the biggest drawbacks that I took, not drawbacks, one of the biggest um, messages I took from the film is just how impactful different like growth journeys are. And when we actually go on an adventure or a journey, whatever you want to call it, an experience, there is definitely like a lasting impression that's left on us. 
You look pensive, Brett. Um, I was just looking at the box office, the budget compared to gross on this film. Oh, yeah? And it looks like it lost money. I'm not too yeah, sure. Really? <laughs> let me let me take a look. I I'm mean, curious. it looks like it may have made money, like in the end with time, but it looks like originally it it did not do so hot. And I'm not sure if that's just because it wasn't marketed correctly or no, it did. the world the worldwide gross was 236 million dollars and it spent 24 24 million was the budget yeah so i think over time it did better but it looks like the gross is just in the u.s right 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 and in the i mean considering that it's a japanese film it a lot of japanese films take some time to actually get over here um so yeah, in the U.S. it only made five and a half million, but worldwide gross, worldwide it made two hundred and thirty-six million because it made most of its money in um, overseas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in Japan. Yeah. So yes, that is accurate. There's actually quite a few um, Miyazaki films that don't. Like when you look at Japanese films and how much they make over here, it they're that's something that's only starting to get traction in the past handful of years. Mm. Um, as these have started to kind of generate like excitement over time. But like, I don't remember when Howl's Moving Castle came out. I don't remember. I mean, Howl's came out when I was 11. Spirited Away came out when I was eight. But I don't remember them coming out. Uh, um, 2004 is what it says this one came out. Yeah. Spirit Away came out in 2001. So that's the thing is like, I, I vaguely have memories of like some people watching them as I got to like teenager and young adult age, mm -hmm. but I don't remember these films actually being released. And maybe that's just me. Maybe that was just the environment I grew up in where I just wasn't cultured in something like this. But I will say like, it seems looking at the numbers and my personal experience, it seems like, Japanese anime films haven't really gotten traction until probably the past like five to ten years. Probably ten years. Yeah. So I yeah. think that makes a difference as well. Um, ten years. I could see. I can see that because I mean, I obviously have been getting more and more acquaintances that are into anime. Um. Of the younger, they are of the younger generation. Yeah. Us old farts are just kind of like, move they're cartoons. Oh, <laughs> you know? You're not that old, Brett. <laughs> I'm an, I am an old man. Oh, my. I'll need a wheelchair and like a walker probably in the next oh my gosh. year or so. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> um, one other, I'm going to go back to the film. Another thing I'm going to, Unless you have anything you want to add so far. Nope. <laughs> um, all right. This is this is Pookie's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um I think another interesting message is like Howl's it talks a lot about how he like he doesn't have a heart. There's a lot of mythology about him like 
eating the hearts or taking the hearts of young women, beautiful young women. And it talks about how the Witch of the Waste, I guess, used to have a thing for him. And she wants to keep his heart. And like, because at the very end, Sophie has to kind of ask for the Witch of the Waste to return it. And so, I don't know, I guess another, this is a lot of just things like I took from the film. I think there's lots of symbolism in the film. I also think there are a lot of people like Brett who are just like, they, I couldn't make sense of it, <laughs> which I think is also fine. Um, but for me personally, kind of the message I took with Hal's heart and that whole idea is that like, it didn't matter that other people, first of all, you can't own another person's heart. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty much illegal, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> I meant, obviously, <laughs> in a more, like, emotional sense. Like, you can't, you can't buy someone's oh. love. You can't take ownership of, like, another human being. You um, know, I, I think that can be argued. I think a lot of people could argue that. I know they generally say, oh, you well, you can't buy love. It's like, well, actually, there's a lot of people out there who you can buy their love and their affection because they're, they are just driven by money. But I don't think that's their love. I think that's their uh, – you're buying their affection and you're buying their time and you're buying their – yeah, because of their greed, you're able to buy them, their company, their time, their – you know – yeah. Their affection, but I don't think you're actually buying their love. You're not buying the true them. Yeah, but if the, if that is the true them, then you are. The true them is just some okay. driven I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. I guess in regards to this, though, it's like the witch, it, it is in a more literal sense. Like, you know, the witch of the waste is kind of holding his heart and hoarding it. Yeah. And I guess that's what I mean by that, like it, taking money out of the equation. All right. And maybe I'm just feeling this because I recently came, like I'm coming out of a recent breakup, but I guess my thing is like, it doesn't matter in the case of the witch of the waste. Like it didn't matter how hard she held on to that heart. She still didn't have how right. he wasn't with her in the way that she wanted him to be. Right. And I think it also goes to say though, that like, Hal had the affection of a lot of people around him. He had the effect, you know, Sophie cared for him. Markle and Calcifer seemed to have some care for him. The Witch of the Waste obviously was really into him. Right. Um, Madame Suleiman had some kind of fascination with him. But, like, nothing could... Nothing could be a stand-in for his own heart. Right. And I get, I don't know, I guess from that, like, I don't know. I don't know if this thing is true. I know it's a, I think it's a saying that could be argued, but it's kind of like, you can't love someone else until you love yourself first. I don't know if that's true or not. I think that's something that could be argued. I don't really want to get into that, but I do think <laughs> there okay. is something. What? No, I'm just laughing at that, at that fact or that opinion. Yeah, I think it's a saying, like I said, I think it could be argued either way, but I do think that there is something to be said about, like, if you're not okay with your, like, I don't know, yeah, if you're, if you're not okay with yourself, 
then no one's affection is going to be able to fill that. And I think that was it is like with Howell, okay. it didn't matter that Sophie was in love with him. It didn't matter that to the waist was, you know, had an obsession with him. It didn't matter because he still like didn't have his heart. Okay. And so I guess, I don't know where I'm going with that is just like, I think that, I don't know. I just think it goes to show like there's there's things how because as you kind of meet how like you first meet him and you're like at least for me I had always heard such great things about Hal's moving castle and I read the synopsis I was like oh he's a wizard this is gonna be so cool and then I met him and I was like he's a child he acts like a child <laughs> mm-hmm. like he has some very heroic moments but I also was like he's kind of a spoiled brat yeah. It kind of reminded me a lot of God Inuyasha. I haven't seen Inuyasha. Okay, well, it's but one. Go ahead. It's one other animation that I I had the pleasure of watching a little bit of, <laughs> and it very much was the same type of attitude and storyline where you have this childlike childish i should say just childish person that's like a demon but he's also kind of nice but he's also a jerk mm. and the girl like hates them but they love them sort of and that was it seems like that's a common theme in animation i could be wrong but i do see that theme a lot in animation so to see in this i was just kind of like okay <laughs> sort gotcha. of, yeah i have not seen any gotcha. i will say there are now that you say that i do think that is a trope um with kind of this not enemies to lovers but kind of like begrudging people who are working together for a common purpose kind of become friends and it ends up becoming more romantic and the, yeah, so the, I don't know, the character of how, like I said, it's just, yeah, he's very childish, and I feel like that's the thing, is he he is somehow able to garner this either a- affection or obsession from so many people, but you see that it's like, it's not enough to save him. The only thing that could really restore him and get him in a good place was Therapy. the actual return of his own heart, I guess. Oh. It was where I was going with that. Yeah. It wasn't for you. I mean, and I know that there'll be stuff that's not for you and stuff. And the thing is, is when you start, when you start getting into foreign films and I'm going to classify this as a foreign film because it, it is. Yeah. It's I an mean, international film. It's a foreign language it's a, film. Yeah. You start messing with other types of filmmaking and art styles and stuff like that. And that's sure. not always going to jive with everyone's like, I mean, I know that there's probably a lot of f- foreign films that I like that you probably will not like mm-hmm. and vice versa. And that's just the nature of the beast. When, when you get out of the American like blockbuster movie stream and you start getting into like stuff that's more foreign, more artsy stuff like that, that kind of stuff isn't for everybody. Some of it's good. Some of it's not. And mm-hmm. It kind of goes from there. Because I think you and I have more exposure than the average person. Like, you and I have both seen a lot 
of foreign language films. I've seen a lot of German films. I've seen some French films. I've seen Korean films. I've seen Chinese films. I've seen Japanese films. And so I think that's the thing too, is like we do have exposure and just like every studio kind of has its own vibe, like every, yeah, every international film studio has, yeah, different different art styles, different stylistic approaches to things. And mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, it's not, it's not going to jive with everyone necessarily. Right. I tend to really like um, a lot of anime films, but I've also seen some that I was like, there was one I saw that came highly recommended. It's called children who chase lost voices and it finished. And I was just like, what in the world did I just see this I don't understand anything. I didn't enjoy it, but I've also, there's another Japanese film that's very odd called Penguin Highway, and I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's, but I understand the style is not, is not necessarily for everyone. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, on that huge round about way of explaining things, yes, there, when you get into artsy type films that are not main blockbusters that are foreign you're going to have a lot of difference of opinions and a lot of different tastes of art styles yeah i mean sure there's a lot of things you can appreciate with each films i unfortunately am not a big fan of anime and it feels like especially in my lifetime because i've seen both extremes I've, i've seen like the extreme of if you like anime, you're a nerd, you're a loser, blah. And then yeah. I've also seen the extreme now where it's like everybody loves anime, and if you don't like anime, you're weird. So it's just yeah. like, and I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm just like, okay, I'm just watching this all unfold. Yeah. Well, I remember that too. I remember being younger and yeah if you if you liked anime you were yeah you were a loser you were weird you were a nerd and that's not the way it is anymore which i think is great but yeah we there's definitely a swinging of the pendulum where it's like you don't like this what yeah yep so so yeah i happen to be one who does really like it i know a lot of people who do i also know a handful of people who it's not their thing well, I mean, if it won the vote, then obviously some people wanted us to review it, so. I didn't actually do a poll. Oh, oh you deceived me. <laughs> no, I never said that that's what the people chose. I just said, hey, we're doing house. <laughs> that's what I assume because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm putting up a poll. I'm putting up a poll. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden you came back with that. And I'm just like, oh, I guess they decided. I guess this is it. No, that was a executive, an executive decision I made. <laughs> Fine. Sorry, I do think people would have voted when I posted on Instagram that we were doing this one. It did get a lot of a lot of attention. Oh, really? It didn't. All the nerds that like to watch or listen to our content, I guess. Apparently. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Th- those were kind of the main points I took away from it. I guess during the second time first and second time around. I think there, I don't know, like you said, I, I think there are a lot of layers to the film. I think part many, of the reason it's hard. How many times that? have you watched this? Twice. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I've only seen it uh, one, for the first time a few years ago, and then I rewatched it for this podcast. Um, but I think part of the reason that it might be a little hard to follow as well is, like, it, I, I do think it's steeped in symbolism. Um, so I guess I would just say, like, kind of what we said before, like, guys, rate, review, but then, like, follow us on Instagram and Discord because we like, we want to talk about films. Like, this is what I enjoy doing. I would love to hear, like, people who grew up with Howl's Moving Castle or who have read the book, I'd love to hear your ideas. I'd love to hear kind of the symbolism that you took. If you're more like Brett, you guys can can grumble in a corner about how... Just kidding. <laughs> how weird this movie and others like it are. Like, yeah. I remember, d- didn't... uh, what, what was it, like... Ponyo or something like that? Ponyo? Mm-hmm. Didn't that just come out like a little while ago, like a few years ago or something like that? Like, uh, I remember seeing advertisements for that and I'm just like, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. That does not look good to me at all. That is not something that I would go... Ponyo came out in 2008, so 14 years way, ago. Way more than a few years ago then. I remember seeing advertisements for it somewhere. Maybe it was on a streaming app or something. I don't remember, but I just remember thinking to myself like, there's no, there, there's no way that I am going to go to a theater and spend money to watch this film. Just, I mean, <laughs> there, there's just a lot of, I, 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 I mean, if you like animation films, totally fine. That's your art style. You like that art style. I totally get it. I have tons of friends who like animation, especially Pookie. I get it. I, I I get it. But I'm this old school dog where I just I I don't I don't get it. Like I don't understand mm-hmm. the fascination behind it. I can't get into the storylines of these films. It's it's just hard. I I sit down and I'm like, okay, I need to watch this. I try to watch it. And I'm just my brain just kind of wanders off and I yeah. My dad's going to listen to this film and be like, I agree with everything Brett said. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm an old man. I'm a, I'm a crotchety <laughs> old man. No, you're not. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over here being like, time to fangirl again. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I really love it. I I do. Um I don't know. Should we should we go on to ratings at this point? Sure. Go ahead. Sure. I mean, uh, here's the thing. I'm not I'm not going to like rate this bad because it's something that I personally don't preference. Like overall, I'm kind of rating it on the story that I understood it, the animation aspects that I saw of it, and stuff like that. So we're probably going with about a about a sixty five there okay um the animation was different but it was pretty well done there's a certain style to it i wouldn't say it was poor quality but i wouldn't say it was excellent quality i'll just say it's the particular style that these films are made in Mm -hmm. and it looked fairly good um the story was interesting and weird and at parts you were just like okay we're doing this now okay oh wow i well okay what okay and <laughs> but was fine. It had flow to it. There's a beginning and a middle and an end, so that was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um oh, man. 65. 
okay. that seems fair for 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 me and yeah um i'm obviously rating it quite a bit higher um i really love i quite like this style and i think the animation in this is really beautiful i like the creativity of the story um i don't have to know everything i like having i like not having all the answers um i think the music is gorgeous um i do like aspects of the story and like i said i kind of like that things are a little off the wall i kind of like when something is thrown at me and i'm like okay sure let's do this i guess um and yeah i i really love the symbolism and i like i would watch it again i really loved it so i'm i'm giving it an 83. we need to bring an animator in to talk about some of these films and the technique yeah. behind these films and stuff like that you you need to get on that that is now your job okay you got it um and yeah if if you guys are liking these podcasts please like share rate review um and yeah if like you, share it if you hate these podcasts then share rate review join the discord and tell us how awful our opinions are like that's all it's true it's all good how um, my opinion yeah. absolutely sucks because i don't like movies like this <laughs> hey you said it not me <laughs> i am not cultured at all oh my gosh says the guy who wants us to do hero really badly I am a crotchy old man. Oh my gosh. We are two very different people. That, that I am podcast. like that I am like in my like 80th year. I'm like 80 years old. You are not. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hurt myself getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah, right. Um yeah, do a poll. I mean, I wouldn't mind watching like another Artie film. Mm -hmm. I think we should do Hero one of these times, but if we decide to we have like Hero your soon. brother or another guest on for next time, that's fine too. If you want to do an absolute horseshit of a film and do Morbius next time, that's fine too. Like I don't, I think would be fun. That's fine. I don't care. We can do, we can do Morbius and just rip it to shreds. Rip it, rip it apart. Yeah, so we'll, we'll throw some polls up. I will start to get more of a concrete list together um, on Discord so that people... I'll start planning them at least two, two podcasts ahead so people can start, you know, watching these films on the weekends and planning ahead for them and stuff. Um, I will probably do week by week on Instagram, but on the Discord, there's a little bit more... The Instagram has a lot more, like what's currently going on and it has a broader spectrum it's not just the podcast it's also what i'm watching personally it's new releases different things like that the discord is kind of our behind the scenes on the podcast there's a lot mm -hmm. more discussion on there mm -hmm. um there's input that we take we like hearing different people's opinions um so discord is definitely a little bit more interactive right um, but yeah, so we'll, I'll, I will definitely keep you guys kind of up to date, um, on Instagram and discord. I'll get some things more put together. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.